0: And welcome to Porter Mountain Fellowship Women's Ministry Bible Study. My name is Kim, and I'm here with my good friend Susie. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 18 today. All right, let's open to Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to just start out by looking at verse 1 there. And it says The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Um Susie, why do you think he was sitting there in the middle of the day?
1: Well, I think that it was hot. Mm-hmm. And he was probably taking his little nap during the <laughs> day. And he's an older gentleman there by this time. Yeah. He's an old guy. Yeah. And uh, I think that was probably the custom.
0: Yeah, definitely. We see just in the chapter before that <clears throat> he was 99 years old at that time so he's a little older than that now yeah and um it would have been you're right the custom of the day they still kind of do that same thing from what i understand in the middle east oh
1: even in europe when we were living in europe it was customary for everything to shut down from like noon to two or three Wow! and you'd go home and have a nap and eat your lunch and kids were out of school that that long Oh. And then they'd go back at like 3 in the afternoon. So
0: That is so interesting. So definitely he's sitting there. He's sitting in the entrance of the tent, it says there, and he, and he looks up. And verse 2, do you want to read that one, Susie? He
1: lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O oh Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do you do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three sehahs, did I say that right? Ah, oh, say says. <laughs> <laughs> a fine flour. In my mind, I'm thinking that's like three cups of fine flour. Yeah. Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate.
0: Mm what we see right away is his attitude. Anytime Abraham encounters, encounters the Lord, he bows low, and that has just constantly been impressed on me. In fact, it's even reminding me right now, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer, uh, and let's pray. Father, We just we thank you for the opportunity to open your word today, God, and and Abraham gives us the example, Lord, that whenever we come into your presence, Father, to to bow low, Father, to um, be humbled before you, God. And so we ask that you would speak through your word today, Father. Just um, your Holy Spirit would um, bring us the teaching that we need to hear today, God, that we would be able to apply it to our lives. Father, show us in this scripture. Um, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again he 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 bows low it would have been the custom of the day that if if you saw a stranger that you would take care of them um and so hospitality was a huge part of their culture mm-hmm. um it would do me a kindness to allow me to serve you it would have been like it was not just a it was a duty but it was a virtue it was something that abraham really learned um probably from those before him and he taught it um, to those behind him that a stranger though in the land could expect hospitality for three days and protection and Susie you have a funny story about that. <laughs> My mother-in-law
1: used to always say when you go to someone's house to visit that if you stay more than three days you start to smell like old fish and so you only stay with someone for 3 days and i said she must have been hebrew because <laughs> <laughs> because she knew this custom that you could expect hospitality for 3 days and i think it was even more than hospitality it was protection yes um when i think about um the story of sodom and gomorrah which we'll get to down the road yep. um that those angels when they came to the door they it was expected that they would be protected mm-hmm. and so it was it was um more than hospitality that they would give.
0: Something uh, in that same story um, with Rahab was she recognized these were men of God. Mm -hmm. And we see in the word, in the Hebrew word, the Adonai, my Lord, shows that Abraham may have recognized that one of these gentlemen was... More than just a stranger. And so that maybe he recognized that he was God. So there's some indication there then that they were definitely more than men and he recognized that. Well, don't you hope
1: that if we were ever approached by the Lord God, that we would recognize him? His spirit that is dwelling in us would recognize that? And I think that that's where Abraham was too. Mm -hmm. He was uh, chosen by God.
0: He was um, close to God. Yeah. The, the phrase bowed himself is the Hebrew word shakah, or I really don't know how to pronounce the Hebrew word, but the, it, but it does mean worship. Mm -hmm. And so again, and that came from Henry Morris, that again, it shows that he probably recognized him as more than a man, more than a stranger, that this was the Lord himself. And so it goes on to talk about, you know, the Lord has come to Abraham in different ways throughout scripture here, um, much the same way God reveals himself to us in different ways. What ways has the Lord encountered you, Susie? Well,
1: I was thinking about this yesterday and just kind of wrote some of these things out um definitely i I know i think other people this happens to them but i will hear like this quiet voice in my head and i don't want to make it sound like i'm hearing voices because of course anything i hear would line up with what scripture says you know and it's and so i i always verify through the word of god if this would be what god would say Um, and of course his word i think is the primary way that the Lord speaks to us today through other people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I really believe that if someone says to me, you know, I really believe the Lord is saying this to you, Susie, it's a confirmation of what the Lord has been saying to me. I don't think that necessarily that God is going to tell Kim something about Susie before he tells Susie that something, <laughs> you know. So I think others, through songs, mm. when I am singing or I'm listening to songs, um, I can really feel the Lord's presence at that time. Mm. And I can um, hear him speaking to me during that time, during worship songs, especially if we're singing songs that are his word mm. and we're singing them in worship.
0: Those are some of the ways that yeah. I... That I hear from the Lord. One of the ways you mentioned too um, is you have to know the word in order to recognize it's true. It's coming from the Lord. Recently, I was just speaking with a family member. Is social media has so much. I mean, you're getting everything at an access level that you and I growing up never had. Mm-hmm. And so you can just be saturated in that world of one video after another. And if you don't know the Word of God and you have no rod from which to measure mm-hmm. the things that you're hearing, you can easily be deceived. Um, and so this family member had been listening to things that, you know, maybe it was about um, end times and or maybe it was, you know... The, this one specific thing that we were talking about was that the rapture date could be known, or that you know Jesus coming back in, in the tribulation and different things like that, and I said, well, that scripturally is not true. Only Jesus only knows the day or the hour. Scripture tells us, and it, she says, well, why is it that I can listen to it though and it seems like it's right on? I go, well, because when you're measuring with emotion when you're measuring with you know intellectualness or you know your intellectualness is probably not even a word but um you when you're reasoning when someone speaks intelligently and you think well they're making a really good point if you don't know what it is satan that is obviously one of the ways that he will use to deceive us in the same way that when he was talking to Eve said well, are you sure that's what it said? Mm-hmm. You know, if she knew the word, she would say, you're wrong, Satan, get behind me, you know? Well, and I think the
1: importance of knowing what God says will help you discern um, not just right from wrong. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who said this, but it's so true. But almost right. Uh, What's absolutely. almost right? Absolutely. Because almost right can sound very correct. Yeah. But if you don't know God's word and have that discernment, um, then you can really get led down a wrong path. Mm-hmm. And I know even when I've seen things on social media, if I'm not positive, I will look it up before I believe it. And mm-hmm. any time I've ever spoken, I tell people, you should always check. Do a fact check. Yeah. If it's what I'm saying true, you can back it up with the word. And if I'm wrong, call me yeah. out on it. Right. Because I never want to be accused of twisting or manipulating God's word. God's word stands alone. Absolutely.
0: Um, You read there in verses 3 through 5. I'm not sure how far did you go. I went down to 8, finished 8. Okay, so in 3 through 5 it says, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass me by. Stay a bit. Let me wash your feet, give you rest, let me feed you, and you be refreshed before you are on your way, now that you have come to your servant. You know, Hebrews 13, verse 2 says, you know, we could, unbeknownst to us, be entertaining angels. Mm -hmm. And what you and I have kind of talked about is, he was so eager and so ready, whether this be strangers or the Lord or whatever it may be, that he, his eagerness to serve others was very evident. in you know, it goes on to talk about, you know, quick, he said in verse 6, quick, get three whatever of fine flour, you know, and knead it and bake some bread. You and I bake bread, so it's probably three cups, yeah. know, or six <laughs> cups, probably six cups of bread or right. something. Yeah, and then he ran to the herd and selected. He did things. He ran. He went quick. He was eager And there was no hesitation in his desire to serve. Which
1: brought the question to me, am I eager to serve the Lord? Or had three men showed up at my back door, (laughs) would I be saying, Gilbert, get down here and take care of these men and move them along? How quick the standard for hospitality has changed. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the things that I felt the Lord saying, Susie, how eager are you to serve mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. When I looked, um, and I kind of looked to see what Warren Wiersbe would say about that. And he, he, is, he said, when we serve ourselves, the ministry fails. Mm. Um, it is when we serve the Lord that it gives lasting fruit. And I think if we could get it in our mind, have our mindset be that when we are serving others, we are serving the Lord mm-hmm. and do it unto the Lord, mm-hmm. not unto me. Um, it will fail if it's unto me, but if I'm doing something unto the Lord, there'll be lasting fruit that comes from that.
0: Yeah, and we talked a little bit too about like, you know, we've known when the Lord has been moving in a situation or a conversation or something, sometimes we clearly get a Susie or Kim, I want you to do this, Mm -hmm. you know, but other times, there's dread that sits Mm -hmm. in and eyes roll and you know, you're hiding behind the couch when someone's at the door, (laughs) you know, whatever it may be. Um, and so how do we, we talked about, how do we keep that eagerness? Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that it is that desire to be in God's presence daily and saying, here I am Lord. And that is a mindset. It is a discipline that we need to do that I think that we get out of the habit of. And because I think that it gets real easy for us to just kind of let one day roll into the next. And we're just tackling the to-do list, you yeah. know. Yeah. And um, one lady I was listening to today um in a podcast, she was saying, you know, she loves studying to gain, not to gain knowledge. I mean, obviously we're to grow in the knowledge grace, right? Grow grow in our knowledge and in in grace. Um, But she says she doesn't love studying the word to gain knowledge, but to better know the God that is revealed to us in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think the closer that we get to God, the more our heart aligns with his heart. And so that we are more eager to serve others. Um, And maybe we can catch that that eagerness, that joy that God could give us to say, hey, truly, what can I do for you today, God? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the other thing we kind of talked
1: about was just always being able to replicate that. Mm -hmm. And you're right. If we wake up in the morning and say, here I am, Lord, Mm -hmm. and then walk in that, I wonder if, like, they had as many distractions as they were sitting in a tent in the middle of the desert. I wonder if they had as many distractions as we have now, I feel like the distractions in our world now can so easily draw us away. And we can say to ourselves, well, it's not a bad thing we're doing. <laughs> you know, I'm learning this new thing. That's a good thing. But do I put that much time and effort into the things that the Lord might be calling me mm. to do?
0: Mm. I really hate surprises. It's not So, you know, someone showing up at the door and you know it's frustrating or whatever it may be but I think you know you say how many distractions are you well if you're sitting in a tent in the middle of the day and you're looking out and you can see far away you have a lot of time to think about what you think about those strangers coming up yeah, you have a lot of time to get yourself together. <laughs> Here they're going to get it together. You really got yourself worked up, so you maybe God gives us a little time. That's <laughs> right,
1: to pull ourselves together. Well, and the other verse that came to mind was in Colossians, mm-hmm. um, and it says, whatever you do, do it heartily mm-hmm. as unto the Lord and mm-hmm. not to men. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, the Lord just telling us the things that we do, Don't do it for our glory. Don't do it in a self-sacrificing, oh, woe is me, aren't I the good Christian today? But do it with joy um, for the Lord because that will bring forth the fruit that will last forever. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, we just see his eagerness isn't just serving, it's pleasing the Lord. Mm -hmm. And um, so let's go ahead and and move on verses, starting verse nine, yeah. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And we'll just, we'll just stop there for a second. You know, it has been what twenty five years about, you know, and here she has been Abraham and her have been told that they're going to have a child that he would be the father of a multitude and you know as many as the stars and the sand and and they still you know had taken things into their own hands and of course through Ishmael right (laughs) which we do that Uh, through and and through Hagar I mean and they have Ishmael and God says well that that wasn't the plan that I had for you there's a couple of things that I see in that, um, but let's first start with, you know, he is now giving them a specific time, right?
1: But after 25 years, are yeah. you, I, I probably would be thinking, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've been waiting and waiting. Yeah. Has the excitement waned? You know, yeah. maybe at first when the Lord said it, I was so excited. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have a baby. And now twenty five years later have passed and you know, maybe that excitement has passed, you know, now I'm what would she be in her seventies or eighties? Oh, 80s? No,
0: she's like ninety. Okay, and then I yeah. would be thinking, Really, Lord <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um so I think she was thinking, Really, Lord? <laughs> <laughs> because you know you people you hear people say, you know what, I feel like God's just being silent. You know, and I think, well, that's a really long time of thinking. Yeah. Maybe, you know, and yet, so here they are, and he says, here's a specific time now. And Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were already old and well-advanced in years. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? And uh, what what do you think about that, what, her laughing right there?
1: Yeah, I can see it. I mean, I don't think it was a laugh of joy. Mm-hmm. I think that was a laugh of um, probably right the sarcasm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't... Um, I think, like I said, she probably waited, and, and I can't even imagine trying to raise a baby, let alone carry it around when I'm in my 90s. You know,
0: that that would have been difficult. Well, I think we have an indication here that Sarah is not recognized. First of all, she's behind the tent, and Sarah is not recognizing that this is something more than three strangers that have come right. up. And, um, and it says she laughs within herself, so it's not even out out loud it's not an audible laugh and we see right here in 13 then the Lord said to Abraham why did Sarah laugh and say will I really have a child now that I am old you gotta imagine she probably turned white as a ghost right? oh yeah her jaw dropped oh uh, like, yeah this is definitely <laughs> no stranger yeah <laughs> and so she's recognizing it but you know what Sarah's gonna learn is that God does have a timing Mm-hmm. We struggle with God's timing sometimes or wanting to hear from him in the time frame that, you know, fits us best, you know. And so during this timing thing, and she's recognizing that this is God. And again, he is saying, it's like, she got to take a second thought, you know. And um, just like her, we also question, right. And Henry Morris had said, Sarah does not know it is the Lord speaking again. To her, some strange man is making promises to her husband. Even though Abraham must have surely told her of the promise, she found it difficult to believe. And even coming from God. So laughing because of her age, because even in her younger years, she was unable to conceive. And so why would she be able to conceive now that she's older or she's past that age, and um, so, but now that he's addressed it, now that he's called her out on the laugh, she knows it has to be God, and he says in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You were talking about that earlier, Susie, on just things that you've gone through in life and thought, did I mess something up or, you know, if is, if I put this in a place, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I have tried
1: through throughout my uh, Christian life to be get in there like Sarah and Abraham, I'll help you. I'll be <laughs> the helper, Lord. I'll, you know what? I can see that you're slow on this. You're probably busy with other things. I will take this into my hands for you, Lord. Mm -hmm. And I've messed up so many things. And now now I can look back and say, you know, did I mess those up and it'll never happen? And so this was such a good verse for me to read. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Mm -hmm. Because the Lord is not going to hold my mess ups against other people that I've gone in there and tried to be helpful with. Or the Lord isn't going to um, say, well, you've ruined it. It'll never be able to be fixed. Because nothing is too hard mm-hmm. for the Lord. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll still happen. It'll
0: still happen. One of the things that I appreciate in the story, because this is not the first time that Sarah has doubted, doubted God, right? Because the first time when she gave Hagar to Ishmael in the same circumstance. And sometimes that's that is it, it for us. We have something that is kind of uh, the thing that we wrestle with the thing thing that we struggle with that is hard for us to give it up to the lord and obviously childbirth at that time um, it, it was a blight on her she was it was a big deal it was a big deal for her not to have a child for her, and then to have her husband be told by God, you would be the father of a multitude, and you can 't you can 't even have one yeah you can 't conceive and um so she takes it into her own hands with Hagar and Ishmael but what I love about that is again and and you and I were talking about this earlier is there are things that we've done we felt like we've messed it up you know Sarah could certainly look in that situation and think I've messed it up but God still had um grace in that situation you would say well that's your problem now You know? Yeah. He didn't leave them where they were in all of that. He still had a plan for them. Well, and just
1: because Sarah got in there and messed it up didn't
0: change God's plan.
1: Absolutely. You know, God still had a plan. This is what I came to when I was reading this is that just because I've messed things up, it still doesn't change God's plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He knew. Mm -hmm. He foreknew that we would (laughs) mess up the plan. (laughs) He had the workaround already. Yeah. Um, But no, he uses all of it. For his good, tells us in Scripture. Um, The Life Application Bible says, This question, is is anything too hard for the Lord, reveals much about God. Make it a habit to insert your specific needs into the question. Is this day in my life too hard for the Lord? Is this habit I'm trying to break too hard for him? Is the communication problem I'm having too hard for him? Asking the question this way reminds you that God is personally involved in your life and nudges you to ask for his power to help you. The adjective Mm -hmm. hard is the same as wonderful. The same word describing the coming of the Messiah in Isaiah 9-6. And again, that was according to Henry Morris. But verse 15, you want to read that one, Susie? Yes, hold on, let me find it.
1: But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said,
0: no, you did laugh. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly I've been called on things by God. I don't know if you have. Oh, never.
1: Actually, <laughs> I think one of the questions you've asked is, um, is there anything um, that, what did you say here, Um has God revealed an ugliness in your heart and made you look at it? Mm-hmm. And my, my answer is yes, daily. Yes. Yes, daily. And I yeah. praise God for it. I never want to carry that around. I want to be called out on it every time. I yeah. I don't ever want to hold things that are dis. Just, that are just not pleasing to my Lord, mm-hmm. and so I am thankful that He shows me that, mm-hmm. and it happens daily,
0: mm-hmm.
1: me hourly, too. minutely. Me
0: too. <laughs> right, God, God definitely revealed her heart attitude and and her reliance upon Him. What who she thought of. Or what she thought of God and well, what He and could do. Well, you know,
1: do. she may have been able to fake it with Abraham. Maybe yeah. he didn't know what was going on in her head. And I think that you and I are probably good enough at faking it with other people. Mm-hmm. But thank, thank you, Lord, that mm-hmm. we can't fake it with you.
0: Yeah. What? and and, and it, yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that people don't know what is in other people's hearts. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the Scripture says only God knows the heart. Yeah. You know, because we're real good at faking it and putting up a, a face. I know whenever, you know, we take communion and I take that time to say, you know, God reveal Mm-mm. the ugly parts of my heart. And, Mm-mm. you know, if there's something I need to do to go make amends with someone, I have had an instance where I stopped. I didn't take communion. I needed to go make a phone call, you know, Um Is sometimes we'll just keep on going and not recognize. That's why it's so important that we take the time out to say, you know, Lord, show me, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: show me in the the wicked ways in which I'm going. You know, well, and I think it's
1: real important as a parent that we teach our children how to say I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. not just to to the Lord, but if they cannot apologize to one another, Mm -hmm. I think it makes it all the harder Mm -hmm. to apologize and say I'm sorry to the Lord. Mm. Um, Absolutely. And I know it's one of the things when I was in a school system that I tried to teach kids, and I would Mm -hmm. have big kids crying Mm. because they had to say sorry. Mm. And um, it's an important thing to teach our children.
0: Yep. Hebrews chapter 11, you know, the Hall of faith chapter Mm -hmm. you know we want to pick on Sarah we want to point out all the things that she did wrong but it's always interesting to me I say this often how we may get part of the story in the Old Testament and then the New Testament will kind of give us the the sum up conclusion Mm -hmm. of you know maybe some of the pieces we didn't see there and so although we see her mess up 11 11 of Hebrews says, By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so, from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. You know. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, right? She was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And when I think of those times that I've not been able to, you know, it hasn't been easy to trust God in something. Mm-hmm. You know, Sarah and Abraham definitely got to a place that they could trust God Mm -hmm. and and see the fruit of that come, you know, nine months later (laughs) or 10 months later, whatever it is. But um, he had to enable them. So this was, if you think about their age, 99, 90 years, you know, they're up there, um, 100 years old. They're not even, Sarah wouldn't have even had the, the strength in her body to carry that child. You know, he had to do a miracle Mm -hmm. in her, not only to, you know, in both of them to revive them and give them the ability to reproduce, but her to be able to physically handle childbirth Mm -hmm. and not die in childbirth, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and get, there there was such a supernatural thing that happened there in God giving strength in that. And, you know, God does the impossible. And when we think about that, that he could do something as crazy and miraculous as renewing somebody's body. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it is. And I'd never really thought about it until we started doing this study. And she really physically was unable to have a child Mm -hmm. at this point, which to me all the more shows that God's hand was on it. And maybe He was waiting until that time to say, this really is the hand of God. Where if she had been in her 20s or 30s, you know, they could have said, yeah, this is us. We did it. We made a baby. God's going to use it. But there is no doubt at this point, mm-hmm. you know, that this is God's hand moving. Yeah. And I'm sure not just for the two of them, but for all those around. <laughs> Can you imagine what all those servants were thinking when Sarah had a baby? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they had to have known it was the hand of God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think was it in Peter? I can't remember what it was that we had talked about in previous chapters. Her womb was like a tomb. Yeah, right. And then in <laughs> here again in eleven, twelve of Hebrews, it says that he's as good as dead. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a miracle. Yeah, it was an absolute miracle. And so he wanted them to to know because he's about to go into a whole lot of I I I. Um, they he wanted them to absolutely know that he was the one that did this yes he was holding to his promise yes and it wasn't anything that they did or anything they could have possibly done on their own no nope. yeah nope. and um let's see i'm gonna turn back here to genesis 18 again And it, just to emphasize again, the eyes here, you know. Oh, it's not in this one. I I apologize. I was thinking of a different one. It was in the previous chapter in seventeen, where he was telling them he was going to bless them and make them fruitful, and he just kept saying, you know, verse 20 of 17, I have heard you. I will bless. I will make fruit. And that was in reference to Ishmael. I'm sorry. Let me just back up a little bit. Verses 15 and 16. I will bless her. I will give her a son. I will make her mother of nation. So God continually, um, when we were looking at 17, he was like, here's my part. You know, this is what I'm going to do. Your part is, you know, this over here we're just to obey we're just yes, to, follow. to obey right to stand yeah to stand so um it is a great lesson for us that god we can do all things through christ who strengthens us philippians 4 13 he gives us the strength when we feel what is overwhelming and absolutely impossible mm-hmm. yeah um if scripture kind of takes a little turn here in this in these next verses wouldn't you say yes yeah um. Do you want to read some of that? Yeah,
1: let me read, starting in verse, um, I think it's 19, isn't it? Uh, verse 16. 16. Um, then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him? For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him then the Lord said because the great outcry against sodom and gomorrah is great i'm sorry because the outcry against sodom and gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave i will go down to see whether they have done whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me and if not I will know so it looks like the three of them the three men and abraham um were walking and god is going to say well i'm going to share with abraham um what's what we're going this direction for and because he is going to have um a great and mighty nation will come from him mm mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I really like, and it's a good reminder too, in verse 19 there, um, he had chosen Abraham so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he had promised him. He trusted that he could give all of this to Abraham and Abraham would do right with it. In other words, he was going to pass down the word from generation to generation, he was going to tell others about him and make sure they knew him. And Sunday school this last week, we were talking about the importance of sharing with the next generation. And I'm asking these little itty bitties and you know, little Zelly, she's three years old. You know, is it important that you share about Jesus with your babies and your grandbabies? Oh yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, but. That's a hard attitude um, that he saw and could trust in Abraham.
1: Well, and I like it in the... I was reading in the English Standard Version, which I don't know how I got flipped over there, because Mm -hmm. I like to read things in the New Living Translation. And it says, I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families Mm -hmm. to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. And I liked that, that he's going to single him out. Um, and do you say this somewhere down here, that it's an intimate friend? That when you say yeah. chosen, known, yeah. it's an intimate word. It's an, It means yes. an intimate friend. Yeah. And don't you want to be that? Don't you want to think that the Lord has singled you out, that the mm-hmm. Lord wants to be your intimate friend. Yep. But you know what? Intimate
0: friends talk to each other every day. Ah, yes. <laughs> they know friends. each other. They know each other. Yeah, they can answer each other's sentences, right? Mm-hmm. And when we have that relationship with the Lord, we don't need to ask Him sometimes what the right or the wrong thing is. We, we know. already know. We yeah. know. He's already answered it for and us. And we'll know the difference mm-hmm.
1: between right and almost right. Yeah, absolutely. When, we ha- when we're yeah. that intimate.
0: Yep, that word "chosen" is the one you're talking about. It yes. means known. Yes, it's an intimate word in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that intimacy in the chapter before with circumcision with Abraham. Getting circumcised is a very intimate thing to, you know, I would think, be very exposed before yes. everyone, you know. And so, God, He continually brings up, you know, the even using the bride of christ and him being the groom it's it's very intimate Mm -hmm. in in the relationship he wants Mm -hmm. with us so and i guess my question out of that mm -hmm. it says
1: uh, you know he trusted him um to to direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the lord Mm -hmm. and to share the gospel with their their family Mm -hmm. and my question out of that was can he trust me Can he trust me to do this? I think in my early years, it was so clumsily done, you know, and I'm like, Lord, why couldn't I have had kids now that I'm 60? I'd have been such a smarter parent, Lord, now. I was such a dumb parent (laughs) when I was in my 20s. I was 19 when I had Joseph, you know, and so I just am like, this is one of those things where, Lord, you will not hold my mess-ups against Mm, me.
0: Yes. And I I actually just recently have just been wrestling with that because just like you said, as you get older and you see more clearly um, things that you should have done or could have done, you know. Yeah. and, oh, man, I wasted that time or, you know... I wasted so many years. Yeah. Uh, and it's like... And now I feel like I'm trying... I'm swimming against the current trying to catch up for the things I didn't do, you know? Oh, amen. I'm right there
1: with you. I am right there with you. <laughs>
0: and like, Lord, give me the opportunities with my grandchildren and still my children now. Yes. You know, that never ends. But um, but it, I certainly do think, Lord, oh, man, I... I try to encourage my kids, you know, and I feel like we're kind of all in that same, I don't know, you're in your 20s and 30s. You're just kind of so distracted, yeah. you know, that maybe we don't have those same distractions when we're older. We don't see older. The, such the
1: importance. Yeah,
0: the importance of all the things and, you know, uh, anyway, uh, so I definitely relate to that as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And speaking of kids... Remember, you know, Lot who we're about to talk about here, um, or maybe he's not specifically mentioned, but it is who Abraham is worried about that is in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Lot was his nephew mm-hmm. because Abraham's brother had died. And so
1: really almost like an adopted son.
0: Like an adopted son he took him in, yeah. And so he's kinda taken him around everywhere with him and you know, they went different ways and and whatnot, and um, just to not go into that story for a long period of time, but Lot wound up in Sodom and um, of his own choosing. Of his own choosing, and it not, and you know, he had gotten there a little bit at a time. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of the way sin goes. You know, he was facing that direction, and then he was a little closer, and then he was a closer, and now he's, you know, mm-hmm. at the gate. You know, is a politician or or some sort of a. Um, official in that area and so he's really gotten involved and God comes to tell him the plan and starting there in verse 20 and it says and the Lord said the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me if not I will know And the men turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. And Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are fifty righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the fifty righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. will not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find fifty righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And Abraham spoke up again, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is less, five less than fifty? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find forty-five there, he said, I will not destroy it. And once again, he spoke to him, what if only 40 are found there? And he said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. And he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? And he answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? And he said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. Would if only ten can be found there. And he answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. Susie, I think and, and commentators that you know we've read, I think that he was thinking Lot and his family. I think so too. Yeah. You know, and, and this was really intercessory prayer. Yeah. He was praying, you know, God, if you could just spare them. We've talked about that often, like praying for our own children. Yes. You know, Lord, just, you know, whatever it takes that they would be saved. And so he is really interceding right here Mm -hmm. for Lot. And so I think he kind of gets to the place where he gets down to 10. And and there are some people that say they thought that there could have been 10 in Lot's family. I've read that. Yeah. And so maybe he was just kind of wife.
1: He had two daughters that were married. So they're two husbands and then two unmarried daughters. And I don't know if he had a son or something, but I think it does end up coming up to about 10 people.
0: Yeah. But in, in any, any respect, whether it be 10 or just that be kind of a roundabout number, it is, it is the thought that I'm sure it was on his heart. Yeah. That it was on his heart that he would be worried about that. But he gets to this place where maybe he thinks, kind of like we do, you know, like, well, I know that Lot was raised to know God. Mm-hmm. So I can pray that he's in a place that he would be spared, mm-hmm. you know. And so he kind of gets a little peace from that, or, you know, God saying, you know, I won't if that's what it is. And he, And he says, when the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. And one thing about prayer, you know, Philippians tells us that whenever we're stressed out, whenever we're worried, if we go to God in prayer, he then brings the peace. Mm -hmm. And so he had just had a conversation with God about it. And so he was able to lay it at God's feet Mm -hmm. and walk away Mm -hmm. and go home. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely see that in there. You know... What other thoughts do you have on that?
1: Well, you know, I can't help but think about Lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you said, he got a little at a time, got to that place. Mm-hmm. And how easy it is a little at a time to compromise here, to compromise here. Now I've compromised here. And one of the things that I read that Morris says is Lot's compromising position mm. made his testimony ineffective. Mm. And... um So, you know, again, I always come back to, Lord, has my compromising attitude in things made my testimony ineffective? Um, I don't want to have a compromising testimony, and yet... Lot kept compromising all the way. I mean, how many actually came out at the end? We're going to find out. Mm-hmm. But I don't think all 10 of them came out. Right. right. You know, I think right. only maybe four of them came out. Mm-hmm. And and of those four, one of them turned around looking <laughs> back, <laughs> yep. you know. So yep. Yep. It, was it his compromising position on things that... He really didn't bring his family along. Mm. It's what I was thinking when I, I was thinking about Lot.
0: I have definitely, yeah, and we'll definitely get into more of that in the next chapter here. Um, but what we do see is Lot clearly is not maybe in the best place with the Lord, Mm-mm. even if he does know him, right? And uh, it may be making some bad choices or maybe just not living for him. Well, what is we that? Can
1: what is that verse that talks about, you know, that you get, into the, you get into heaven with kind of the
0: hellfire snapping at you or something? I don't know what the verse is. But. I don't know either, but it's funny. But we definitely, you know, we don't have to be doing bad to just not be. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah.
1: I, I absolutely. I mean, when I talk about my testimony, I talk about mm-hmm. I wasn't living a bad life. Mm-hmm. I was taking my kids to church mm-hmm. and, you know, talking the talk. Dragging my heels on the walk, Mm -hmm. but not doing bad things in my life.
0: Definitely, we, you know, just to you know, spoiler alert, to say that Lot does get out, right? Shows God's long, long suffering and His patience for people. Well,
1: I don't think Mm -hmm. He
0: wants that for any
1: of His of His children. He does not. He's not. he He doesn't want that for no. It's not what, when we think about hell, it's not what God wants for his creation. Right.
0: It is not his desire that any should perish, Scripture Mm -mm. tells us. Mm -hmm. Um, But he is a righteous judge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And with righteousness in judgment, he also has to deal with sin. And so when he comes to find out, you know, for himself, so to speak, as if he, I mean, he knew, but you know what I'm saying? When he comes... And he's having this conversation with Abraham, and he's gonna go check on Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, um, the Lord said their sin is so grievous, and and so just kind of talking about that a little bit, like in the place that we can be, it's just in a place of perfection. There was only one that's perfect, right? And um, so we're not held to a standard of perfection. That's why we need Jesus, but. In the instance of completely rejecting God, and really that's what Sodom and Gomorrah were doing.
1: Well, the word they use here in the New Living Translation is their sin was so flagrant. So kind mm -hmm. of in your face. In your
0: face, Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, we always think that, you know, sodomy, you know, that word comes from Sodom, that the first, you know... Their sin was homosexuality, mm-hmm. and and that is the first and foremost sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ezekiel sixteen forty forty nine lists four more kinds of sins. Um, it was their pride.
1: Yeah,
0: it wasn't in the closet. It was unashamed. It was flagrant
1: in your Flagrant,
0: face. like you just said. It was fullness of food, meaning they had abundance, and they were selfish and they were greedy about sharing it. Mm. There was an abundance of idleness, um, so they had more time to get into trouble. You know, idle hands belong to the devil. Yes, you know, and they did not strengthen the hand of the poor. They had no care for the needy. So this is way beyond that they had one sin. This was a whole heart attitude, a whole mindset mm-hmm. that they were they were not following God. They were living for themselves. In fact, they didn't care about each other. Um, you know again, talking about the situation with um that's coming up you know when when the angels go and they are was it it is in the next one isn't yes, it? yes, yeah, it is in the next chapter um when the angels go in we'll we'll talk about that next time, but just the they didn't care who they hurt Mm-mm. they didn't care who they helped and and so there is something that is completely different than. A Christian who's trying to live for God, but, you know, messing up. So just kind of recapping there on verse 23, when it says Abraham approached him when he had approached God, is it in the same thing that we need to do when we are going to intercede for somebody and and it shows us in this how important intercessory prayer yes. is and that God does hear it. Um, that Hebrew word there, when it says that he drew near to the Lord and he approached him, um, that Hebrew word means to come to argue a case. Mm-hmm. But it also tells us he came very humbly yes. throughout that. Um, he wasn't fighting with God or yelling at God. He was
1: Well, that whole attitude that he had with the, him at the beginning. Yeah. You know, that whole
0: attitude of, I am your servant, Lord. Yes, yes. And again, you know, again, in that recap there is we see a couple of things in this interse- intercession. Like you had said, he's not willing that any would perish. He drops the number, drops the number, drops the number, mm-hmm. you know. He responds He was listening to Abraham. Mm -hmm. He was responding to Abraham. Our prayers do matter, that tells us. And had there only been 10 righteous, they would have been spared. Even our small, humble ministry matters. It does. Yeah. You know, it's not about numbers. If you've got one person that God has in your life that you're talking to, you know, maybe you have dreams that you could be some great teacher Mm -hmm. or whatever. (laughs) But you have one that God has brought into your house or, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, in, in between your two feet. Yes, you know. where your feet stand, yep. where your ministry is. Yep. Um, but one interesting note that you and I had talked about, about um, this gives us another picture kind of like with Noah and the ark, is that we see that he's going to remove the righteous Before his wrath is poured out. Yes. And, um, it's just interesting because it does, it does kind of build a case with the pre-tribulation, um, theory. And again, those are theories and, and their thoughts, but it just is interesting to kind of look back at some of those things like this and say, you know what? I, I do think that God removes the righteous before he pours out judgment, um, so in this conversation with Abraham and the Lord goes on his way and Abraham returns to his tent at the end here, Abraham had not changed God's mind. That's not our job. Mm-mm. Our job isn't to try to change God's mind, but the rather the Lord showed him that he was just and merciful. If we recognize that God is just and merciful, even if we don't understand his plan and why he's doing what he's doing um we can come with agreement come to an agreement with god yes and you know in abraham he walked away from there clearly satisfied clearly in a place of peace of okay god i can give it to you yes yeah yes I wanted to just talk about this one last quote. If, unless you Would you have anything that you would no, want to add?
1: No, just over the whole intercessory prayer, mm-hmm. the only other thought I had was that God prompts us to, to intercede for yes. others.
0: Yes, which brings us right into this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Because I don't know about you, Susie, but I have had um, a couple of people in life tell me, don't pray for me. I don't believe in your God I don't believe in prayer you know I, I don't I don't even want you to pray for me you know and um I loved this quote Charles Spurgeon said if they referring to lost sinners will not hear you speak they cannot prevent your praying do they jest at your exhortations or your prayers right they cannot disturb you at your prayers are they far away so that you cannot reach them Your prayers can reach them. Mm -hmm. Have they declared that they will never listen to you again nor see your face? Never mind. God has a voice which they must hear. Speak to him and he will make them feel. And though they now treat you despitefully, rendering evil for your good, follow them with your prayers and never let them perish for lack of your supplications. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Keep praying.
1: Yeah. Nothing can stop that. Well, um, yeah, that is, that is very cool. Yeah. Encouraging. Very encouraging.
0: You want to close this in prayer?
1: Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that we can draw near to you in, in your word. Father, I just pray that the things that you've spoken today, Lord, that we take them to our heart, that we wake up in the morning and say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. What would you have me do, Lord? that we eagerly look forward to serving you, Lord, in this day. Bring to mind those that you want us to intercede for, that anyone that we see, Lord, that that needs that prayer, that we would be open to that. And we just pray in your powerful name, Lord, that we would be your servants, your humble servants, Lord. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.